Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today we'll be exploring commoning, a, a concept that, to which I was just introduced by our guest, Andy Hilton. We've done a couple of interviews with Andy already on his book, Anthropology and Mysticism in the Making of Initiation. Now we're going to look at a book that he was a co-editor of called Perspectives on Commoning. Welcome once again, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I have to admit, I'd never heard the term commoning until I saw it there in your book cover. But you know, mm -hmm. we had an interesting conversation, and I'm inclined to think that it's a very important concept. Uh, now, I know the, the origins are very political, so why, why don't we start mm -hmm. there and we'll, mm -hmm. we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and as, a, as a verb form uh, and the gerund form commoning, that's not so common. <laughs> yeah. uh, the origins come from the English commons, the common land which was set aside in the feudal system for the use of villagers, for grazing sheep, uh, commonly in the center of the village. So there's a central public area or an, an area that everybody has access to, the right of usage. Uh, that's the origin of, of common common goods. Uh, uh, the, the idea was uh, forwarded by Thomas Paine, which will relate to the history of this country. Um, the idea of common goods continued and was developed. Also, the idea of common access and uh, of usage uh, of a user group was uh, developed. And in Europe, there, there was the uh, leftist workerism autonomist uh, political leftist uh, current that developed the idea of, uh, of uh, the worker as the leading edge of change and transformation for a fairer society uh, based on their common rights, we could put it like that. Mm -hmm. The union movement, for yeah, example. Yeah, indeed, yeah, but the union movement uh, is led by, by the union leaders, which may tend to have an investment in making deals with the bosses and leaving the, the people behind. So, so that's uh, another issue of how workerism came, mm -hmm. came through. And then more recently in, in that thrust, which is the, the leftist thrust, uh, there was a, a very well known, uh, uh, trilogy of works, the Empire trilogy, uh, Antonio Negri is the is the is a, the foremost name. There's a whole school involved, and, and those that trilogy was co-written. But he's he's the one that you would pick most on as a, as a as a writer, as an influential mm -hmm. writer. Uh, that's that's on in that tradition. The yeah. Empire trilogy. We're mm. now we're not talking fiction, I assume. We're not. No, no, no. So Empire represents power, and in opposition to the multitude. 
So, so we've got the multitude is the mass. It's, a, it's, a, it's an alternative name, a new name you could say for the mass. Uh, that's also critiqued because there is no multitude. There are many multitudes. And one goes on into the theory in, in that direction. Mm -hmm. uh, power can be also equated with capital. So the common is opposed to capital as a system of organization, as a system of, of production and reproduction of, of all goods, including services, public goods, all kinds. And uh, it's a very uh, alternative and oppositional uh, approach. Uh, so one has the one has power, which is the empire, in opposition to the common and the multitudes. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm under the impression since the origin of the word goes back to medieval villages, right? Yeah, that, in a feudal system, yeah, yeah. which is about as hierarchical as they come. Mm -hmm. uh, that even in in that system, there is an effort for uh, average people to pool their resources mm -hmm. and uh, in mm. a beneficial way. Yeah, that's that's the idea that's the idea and then going back to the uh, uh, the American uh, tradition uh, user groups would be uh, groups of people who use a resource who collectively organize manage produce reproduce that, that resource be it water supplies in, in, in Northern California or the policing of, of, of a city-state. Uh, it could be a range of things. So that's a service provision. And here in the information age, the mm -hmm. concept of user groups is one I'm very familiar with. Mm -hmm. I use certain software packages. Mm -hmm. For a while, I've, I've been very active in various financial forecasting mm -hmm. software packages mm -hmm. where the user groups would take mm -hmm. a, a particular uh, piece of software developed by a, a corporation, typically. But then the user groups would uh, really expand the use of it. They would find uses that the developer Developers typically hadn't really thought of yet, and the the community of users became an integral part of uh, the further development of the software product. Right, and would they be monetizing that development? Not well, except in, by sharing their insights amongst each other. So they're not monetizing it. So they're not commodifying it. So they're keeping it out of the realm of capital. Yeah. So it's a genuine commoning activity that they're. Engaged in a sharing of, of information, and and information is another form of goods that can be commoned. Well, for example, take uh, we live in an information age. Mm -hmm. Take this video channel. Exactly, exactly. This is a common resource. Uh, it is. Uh -huh. I mean, it is monetized in the sense that there's advertising. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I try to mm -hmm. keep it to a minimal mm -hmm. uh, amount, but there is a community of users yeah. uh, who, who yeah. comment, and yeah. uh, oftentimes the direction of the programming is influenced by mm -hmm. the user community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In this case, there's uh, no particular restriction on the user group, so that's uh, an interesting variable. Variation yeah. uh, in There's a classical no model, right? Yeah, in a classical model, the, the the user group would be fairly well specified. For example, the villagers, mm -hmm. uh, the, the the people living in the territory. Uh, in in the virtual uh, example, 
there's no specification like that, so it's a it's a it's an open border user group. It, half of our viewers uh, are scattered around the world. About half mm -hmm. of them are American citizens. Yeah, that's that would yeah. be expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no definition as to what that should be. No. Right. 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 There's, there's no restriction in terms of age mm -hmm. or sex or mm -hmm. sexual orientation mm -hmm. or race. Mm -hmm. In fact, m many of the users, uh, probably most of the users, don't use their real names. They have YouTube names mm -hmm. th that they use. So I, I have no idea. <laughs> it doesn't really about matter. Their yeah. Ethnicity mm -hmm. or their, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, and anything of that sort, but it, it forms a community. Hmm. Yeah, and then you get into the idea of a community of users. users. What is a community uh, in the sense of uh, virtual information sharing? It's a very nebulous thing. Uh, people may come and go. Yeah. You don't know. You don't actually know the identities. You, you, you never meet except the communication online, and you might be communicating with. Well, you don't know who you communicate. Yeah. No, no. But sometimes those communications are prolonged over. There are users who have been with this channel for years. They can be very intense and very intimate and very informative and uh, very real. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and there is a common link which has mm -hmm. to do with uh, the paranormal and the mystical experience which is the central thread of all of our videos. Not particularly this discussion but mm -hmm. uh, it seems to me that when you're dealing with the mystical it touches on every other subject. Okay. Okay. Would you agree? Uh-huh. Um, I'm not quite sure what you're, where you're going with that, but I, I, it can, it's interesting to relate the, the idea of a, of a common, a common pool of knowledge or a common informational, uh, sharing with, with, a, with an idea of collective consciousness. That may, that may work in, yeah. in some way, uh, possibly, mm -hmm. yeah. Well. I bring it up because uh, there are issues, um, political issues, really, uh, around globalism, around uh -huh. nationalism, uh -huh. around the rise of right-wing thinking. Uh -huh. uh, there's a rise of, of uh, authoritarian right-wing leaders, not only yeah. in Europe and the United States, but in yeah. the Philippines and India. Uh, China has issues of authoritarianism. <laughs> One and, <or> two. <laughs> and it seems to me that commoning in the various forms that, that it takes is a, um, I don't know if I'd call it an antidote, but maybe a complement mm -hmm. to the rise of authoritarian structures in our culture. Hmm. It's, it's essentially based on the people taking their own power, working together, sharing, so it's a bottom-up kind of principle. Yeah. It doesn't depend on the hierarchy of power. So it's intrinsically liberal, I would say. Uh, in that sense, in, a, in the political framing, it can speak to the libertarian conservative as well as the, the leftist. Not socialist, it's not public versus private. It's beyond public versus private. It's not state socialist versus libertarian. It's more, it's, it's, it goes beyond traditional left-right dichotomy, I think. Well, I understand that uh, the anthology that you edited had mm. some of its origins in, in Italian Marxism. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And so it certainly, certainly does speak to and come from those radical leftist roots. Mm -hmm. Now, I gather that your anthology um, 
your your co-editor is really the person pushing the concept and your your work as the editor was uh, largely involved in uh, making uh, making it read well in the english language yeah and giving a structure to the volume yeah guido guido was definitely it's, it's his project and he invited me to help and and i got involved uh, and i thought it's a, a wonderful wonderful idea and i i do think it's uh, a model going forward a complement to capital and to capitalism i don't see it as necessarily a rival or an an an, an, antagonist, an an antagonistic relationship but i do see that it can have a a great future uh, the idea of commoning sharing in in relation to the earlier conversations with initiation it's it's what young people do all the time uh, young people are always sharing stuff because um, young people don't have so much money it's it's common to do that it's natural to do that people get together that's a collective action it goes with co-ops as a, a long co-op move- movement also mm-hmm. uh yeah it's it's a it uh, it can also work if and in so far as we develop basic income which is a, a happening idea and growing in various places in the world if we don't have the same if we have sufficient production and surplus value that we don't have specific needs to support ourselves at a very basic level because there is already basic income that is everybody is guaranteed a certain level of income and basic food for that matter is another is one of the chapters in the book somebody advocates basic food we have enough wealth in the world for everybody to have a basic level of food provided if we if we go towards those systems towards a, a realization of of a future utopic it may be that we can increasingly work together without needing to earn money we won't have the same need although there will always be that motivation mm-hmm. to to rise above and to acquire of course yeah. well right now i hope that this video has, mm-hmm. has a life well beyond the present moment but mm-hmm. at this moment there's a presidential campaign going on and one of the uh candidates for the Democratic nomination uh, for the U.S. presidency, Andrew Yang, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, someone with a business background, uh, is proposing a, a minimum income. Right, okay. $1,000 a month for every American. Okay, okay, that's an American. There's a... Uh, uh where was it? I, I forget the region, but it may have been coming in, in one region in India. There's been... Uh, trials of various kinds. There's one going on in Utrecht, I think, in, in the Netherlands. There's been something in, in Africa. The UNDP, United Nations Development Program, has found that the best way to boost development of a region is just to supply, of a poor region, is just to supply a basic income to, to the whole population. And they do with it as they will. That's an input from outside, an external input. But for a relatively small amount, you get a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, takeaway, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an idea that that's really really is growing. It's it does seem to be some kind of adolescent ideal, but it seems it isn't. It right. seems very real, and and it could be a, a growing a growing uh, phenomenon. You know, as as I recall, uh, Andrew Yang. I'm not a, an Andrew Yang supporter. But but I see w- when he appears, he wears mm-hmm. a little uh, lapel button that says okay. math. Okay. On it, like do the math. Yeah, do the math. Okay, <laughs> it works. Yeah, this isn't this isn't this isn't pie in the sky. This is this is quite real and realistic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it may it may be an idea whose 
day whose time is coming. Yeah. yeah. You know, an idea whose time has come reminds me of uh, back in the days when uh, Werner Erhardt, uh, the Est movement, was popular in the United States. They, mm-hmm. He talked about ending starvation as right. an idea whose time has, mm-hmm. has come. And back mm-hmm. in those days, I haven't checked the statistics lately, mm-hmm. back in those days, I believe 30 million people a year in this planet died of starvation, Hmm. although there was always enough food to feed everyone. Right, right. And that continues. There's still enough food to feed everyone. There's an awful lot more people now. There's still enough food to... It's a a distribution issue. It's an economics issue. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. There's there's no reason why we can't solve these issues problems if if we want to uh there has been tremendous uh, developments through neoliberalism in in southeast asia we we uh, uh, there tends to be a uh, a desire in the west to attack neoliberalism these days for understandable reasons because it kind of leaves uh, uh, leaves people behind when the factory gets moved to 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 china or to india but in the southeast asia millions maybe a billion people have been pulled out of poverty through it uh, so we we need to look at the positive side of of the developments going and, and on and by neoliberalism mm. it sounds like you're referring to international trade and, and the yeah, shifting yeah. of manufacturing to yeah, yeah, that the, area the, of yeah, Asia. Yeah, the, the, uh, the uh, mobility of capital uh-huh. uh, specifically yeah. uh, the mobility of information we see that ongoing the mobility of people that's problematic uh, that mm-hmm. proves problematic now I would like to take this to a little bit of a deeper level with mm-hmm. you and and I know you raised a fascinating idea when when you said if we look inside each of us has within us every political position. We all have an inner fascist, yeah, an yeah. inner communist, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. an inner conservative, an inner liberal, and an mm-hmm. inner anarchist. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to I like to, to to play with that idea. I think it's uh, I think it's in general we talk about pluralism as a macro political. But we can talk about it psychologically that we all have these different, like a graphic equalizer. We have them, we, we identify with one, uh, with one range, but we have all of them. Yeah. It's an, it's an, and it's just a question of the balance of, of them. It's important to, to get, to, to recognize that we all are conservative. We all are inherently liberal. We do all have that fascist inside of us. Uh, uh, we, we all like to come together and act collectively. There's nothing like a group feeling. We all, we all have these different aspects, but we tend to identify tribally with one in particular as though the others uh, are, are, are mortal enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea of commoning uh, could be thought of as, as a coming together of people all across the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, and, and a user group can easily encompass a wide variety of, of views and perspectives. Why not, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I th- and now we've talked about uh, in the high-tech area, mm-hmm. user groups and software. We've, mm-hmm. You've talked about uh, sharing water resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gather in many urban communities, the, now you see the idea of urban gardens. People. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and housing that will go with uh, co- cooperative housing schemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, yeah, there's 
there's no limit to what can be common. Anything that has value that can be owned and, and thus regarded as capital can also be shared and thus commoned. And the biggest commoning institution is the family. It's pretty common for families to operate as a shared resource. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, a, that's a basis of commoning that is all over the world. We do it anyway. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's a, this is a fascinating excursion. Mm. Uh, it seems to me, in the larger uh, political sense, mm. I, many people are globalists, and, and I consider myself a globalist in, in the sense that I think it's very important for people to realize we share this planet, and, and there are problems on the planet that need to be addressed at a planet-wide level. Well, I 100% agree with you. Globalism took on a negative connotation. And I understand in, in America, a globalist has a negative connotation. Well, not by me. Right. Okay. Uh, but, in the public but, but discourse. There seems to be, I would say, a tension between mm. people who consider themselves nationalists. Like, okay. Put America first. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, as sure. As opposed sure. to globalists. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. put the planet first. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And, and nationalism has been a very powerful force for a couple of hundred years. And it's got some, it's got some good aspects. Nothing is all bad, of course. But it's also got a lot of uh, problems, a lot of issues. And one would hope to identify as a human being and a globalist before one identifies with mm -hmm. one's own particular ethno-national territorial grouping. And, and, and my sense is that even amongst people uh, who dislike globalism, like mm -hmm. I, I know there are a number of viewers who explain to me that the very phrase new world order strikes a, a terror in their hearts it, and, and I think what they're afraid of is that some sort of authoritarian fascist regime is going to assume control over mm -hmm. uh, a planetary order and mm -hmm. force people to uh, say things or do things or think things even mm -hmm. that that uh, it would be a curb on individual freedom but the the I gather that in this commoning movement, uh, mm -hmm. people don't feel that their freedoms are being curbed. Right. Uh, whether they feel that or not, it, it, that rather depends on the specifics. Uh, in terms of new world, new world order, yeah, I mean, that's a hugely loaded phrase. From a leftist perspective, the new world order is the order of capital, is the, or, is the order of the multinational, is the order of the, the transnational private corporation that has more power than the individual state. Uh, and the, the danger goes in that direction. Uh, I don't know how the conservative sees that kind of argument but in from from the leftist perspective we, we are dangerously close to the new world order already yeah <laughs> well I, and I think that uh, many people on the conservative end of the spectrum feel much the same okay okay uh, although some of them are concerned about uh, uh, you know maybe some sort of communistic kind of takeover I don't know everybody has mm. a different fear yeah, yeah some people no. are afraid it's the Jews who are going to take over still uh, yeah <laughs> 
I, I, I get that. Yeah. Other people are uh-huh. afraid it's the women mm-hmm. who, who are going to take over. Mm-hmm. Other people think it's it's going to be the Catholics. Other people mm. are concerned about the Muslims. Mm. <laughs> so what's going on there? We're projecting onto a single group power and we're like giving away or feeling our sense of powerlessness. Uh, so there's a dis, a distance from power that the ordinary person is feeling. And that's reasonable because in this, in the, in the large scale setup that we have of, of, of nation states where power resides in the capital and within that a very small group. And we now, we call those elites nowadays. And that has many different meanings and connotations depending where you're coming from. People feel very distant from that and they don't feel like they have power at the local level and uh, commoning certainly works from the bottom up in the sense of power in the community so we get the common is the community which can be a local level and, and works upwards from there well that is uh, it seems to make sense to me that if we're going to have a, a kind of organic globalism mm. it mm. needs to be bottom up and not top down yeah yeah and 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 to that one might add it needs to be peopled by mature human beings. It's only going to be as effective and flourish as, as healthily as possible insofar as the people, uh, filling the positions of the community members are, are good people acting in the community interest. Uh, so we, it, it also relates to the ethical, uh, uh level, uh, ethical operation of people and we see a lot of bad ethics at the moment I think uh uh and also, you, you, you could also bring in uh, the, the paranormal. You could bring that in and say that uh, a, a richer experience, a, a better human being is one who works more with intuition, who uh, is more attuned to the needs of the whole. And that does have a connection, I believe, with, with Psy and paranormal. Uh, I do believe that we're cutting ourselves off from a range of experience and there are indications that we may in the West be opening up to that again and, and that is a naturally connecting uh, connecting force mm-hmm. uh, which goes very nicely with commoning and sharing. Well, in our previous discussion on uh, the psychology of initiation, we brought up the concept of cosmic consciousness. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> and it seems to me it's not unrelated to, to your interest in commoning. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's hard to be a nationalist once you've once you've got God. <laughs> um, how are you thinking of the connection? Well, I can't be too specific. Right. Uh, okay. Ironically, I mean, I, I know that um, as as people awaken, okay, they find that uh, that they share a, a kind of heart connection with other awakened people. Yeah, and then we're also getting into the issue of where we are going and what's going on in the world. Are, is there an awakening going on? Is that, is that a mass? Is that going into a mass phenomenon or is it 
very localized uh, concern that has always been the case. There's nothing new that had nothing new under the sun. It's it's always been there. It just seems more so because the population's bigger, so there's more people to connect with. We connect better uh, against against that kind of like realism. Like let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, maybe there is some kind of awakening going on, and, and maybe we are upgrading on our 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 genetic capabilities. Even that, 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 that idea is out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's possible, yeah. Well, many years ago, I interviewed the philosopher Michael Grosso. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't quite remember the name of his book, but his uh-huh. point was simply this, that people are awakening. Yeah. And, and the reason it's expressed in things like these UFO contexts, such as you yourself have experienced, right. uh, near-death experiences uh-huh. coming up more in our culture, mystical experiences, the psychedelic human potential movement. The, those are all examples of awakening, but it is occurring more dramatically now because we're facing the prospect of uh, the potential extinction of the human race at our own hands. Yeah, well, it's uh, an extreme view to to consider that we're facing extinction of the human race, but uh, that's not the most extreme view. A more extreme view is that we're facing extinction of the mammalian category. That that there is a name for this: the era of of mammal. That we're going back to pre-mammal. That's that's a little bit more extreme. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, at the same time as we we got this opening out of a potential utopic future, relatively utopic, because. In respect of the past, we're already in a utopia that we got so much that it was unimaginable a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the same time as that, we're going into this dystopian. Uh, you related it to to the current politics, uh, but more profoundly is the ecological situation, and we really don't know how bad it may get. I think many people suggest we're right now in the middle of one of the largest extinctions in the history of this planet. I've heard it called the fifth or the sixth extinction. Yeah, you're talking about uh, life forms in general. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's like, uh, yeah, yeah, and that we're talking about eco-collapse, the potential of eco-collapse. It seems to me a real potential and quite what that means we'll find out as we go along uh currently we're 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 on target according to the 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 the, the demographic graph we're we're on target for 12 billion human population in a, something like 50 years so we're on 8 and we're looking to 12 so that's we got another 50% rise of of humans on this planet that's the projection Will we get there? Are we going to get to like kind of 10 billion and then we're going to have such bad things happening in like in, in Chile or, or, or Australia where there's already uh, some major issues? Or are we going to, are we going to suddenly plummet when we go over thresholds of methane release and uh, we get to real chaotic apocalyptic situations and the world's population is left at a couple of billion? That's another scenario. We're, we're playing out scenarios here at the moment it's easy to be uh, alarmist 
uh, and it's probably not inappropriate to be quite alarmist. <laughs> well, I'm not suggesting uh, th that we should be alarmist. I, mm. I'm suggesting that the proper response is a kind of awakening. Well, yeah, at the same time, yeah, indeed, indeed. I, I say the, the, the word alarmist not as an accusation, but also that any change always needs a cutting edge. And so we do need that alarmism. We need that fear of, of how bad it could be in order to to move us because at the moment we're not really budging very fast we got the Greta's going around on, on her ship and that but you know she will say that she's a failure and, and we, we, we've got to agree that you know it's not really changing uh, the, 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 if we're looking at uh, um, uh, global uh, global greenhouse gas emissions if we look at that specific uh, issue I mean they're, they're rising we're going past our targets and we can see the whole thing really failing quite badly at the moment so faced with this situation, and people will disagree about the particulars for sure, uh, it does seem to me that uh, on the one hand, uh, some sort of top-down global order is, is going to be unsatisfactory to a huge number of people. Uh, so a, a kind of bottom-up organic commoning across the planet in mm. various forms, in a, in a mm. multitude of ways, uh, does seem to me to be a uh, a viable route. Yeah, and something intuitive in me says is un, is un, is not happy entirely with that. I, I can see the two of them. I don't think they necessarily have to be intention. Uh, that or they will be intention, but they, it doesn't have to be an either or. And and the the it can come from both directions. It's not. It's a glow a, a globe. What did you say? A global world order. Well, um, I don't know uh, if I use that well, phrase. Whatever the phrasing. Uh, organic and organic yeah. coming together mm -hmm. uh, at a global level. And that can also come with an organic acceptance and uh, relationship with uh, a, a more holistic ordering. Uh, so, so it's not necessarily either or bottom up, top down. But I think that emphasizing the role of 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 the power of the ordinary person working bottom up in in all kinds of structures, including in political structures, and, and, I think is a good thing. And perhaps honoring all of the different political personalities within each of us. That would be necessary as a part of the of the of the dynamic. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, Andy Hilton, uh, it's mm. been a delightful conversation. Yeah, okay. I don't know if it'll lead anywhere, <laughs> but I think it's useful for people to begin to think about these issues. Yeah, I think thinking widely, not getting boxed into to, to identifying with, with one position and with one view of how, it, how it's going to be. It cannot be. We, we need to be open because it's an open conversation. We don't really know where we're going. We're not sure where we should go. Things are very much in flux. The, there's a great deal, of, a great sense of chaos, and it does need talking about and opening with, with open minds and thinking aloud. Thank you so much for being with me, Thank Andy. you. Cheers. And thank you for being with us. Thank you.